poids. Welcome to the show. This, this is our view from, from the bench. bench. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. I'm Brendan, backup quarterback for the freshman team as a senior. And I'm Corey, the point guard for the JV basketball practice squad. And, and this, this is Our View from, from the bench. bench. How was your week, man? Uh, it was okay. It's not over yet because I have to work uh, bull riding stuff the next couple of days. So it's just kind of, I'm kind of at hump day, I guess. This is more like my Wednesday because I still have two more days of work. <laughs> so ah. I had two days off during the week. So I kind of lazed around, especially on Monday before we did the show. And not a whole lot else this week, just kind of chilling and getting ready for PDR tomorrow. So what about you? Well, I had the opposite week. Um, while busy at work, uh, I had I took today off, Friday off. Oh, nice. Uh, went to Disneyland, kind of still have a little bit of celebration that couldn't get a, a reservation mm. for the place that we wanted to. So tried creme brulee for the first time today. Fantastic. I don't know <laughs> why I decided to just miss out on this my whole life. Uh, I do have a problem with dairy, however, so it was vegan, but in true style, they, they killed it. So it was uh, it was pretty good, man. You ever tried creme brulee? No, I haven't. I was just going to say the place you tried at first is Disneyland, not like some crazy fancy five-star restaurant or something. Hey, dude, this is actually a pretty fancy spot, <clears throat> man. It was the Blue Bayou on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. So oh, yeah. It's a pretty this is a pretty fancy restaurant. Yeah, so. I've heard. No wonder you couldn't get a reservation for a while. <laughs> no, no, couldn't. No, there's actually a lot of people that can't get uh, reservations. Some people looking for reservations for a team. Uh, it's not working out for everybody, though. Training camp's already started up. Preseason's getting going. We still have a handful of free agents to uh, still sign. Some notable ones, too. Yeah, uh, but the biggest thing is is part of the reason they haven't signed yet is the injuries are going to start to pile up, and they have slowly. And obviously with the Jonathan Cook situation in Indy, that's made it interesting because Kareem Hunt went and visited there. And where did he go before that that you thought he signed at? Uh, New Orleans? I thought he went to New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans. No, no, you're right. They reported like – signed though, Yeah, no, there was a report he signed, then there was a report he did, and then he was going to Indy. And then he went to Indy, and then he didn't sign at all yet. So, But, yeah, him, uh, as we know, Cook, we've talked about, he's still sitting out there waiting to decide if he's going to go to the Jets or not. Uh, the couple other ones that come to mind are Ezekiel Elliott and then Jarvis yeah. Landry, the wide receiver. I didn't realize he was still out there. And I mean, all these guys are 30 or under Javadian. J- 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 wow. I cannot say his name. Jadavian Clowney also, I think 30, but like some of these guys are pretty decent. If you have them on like a one year short term deal that you don't have to think long term about and worry about salary cap implications. Yeah, do they are they willing to sign that? Uh, maybe uh, you know what I mean. Like I don't know if they're looking for something like I know. Maybe the running back market is a little bit more bleak. So the Dalvin Cooks, Kareem Hunts, and Ezekiel Elliotts of the world might be willing to take that one year. <laughs> Excuse me, but maybe Jarvis Landry is looking for something a little bit more substantial. He kind of disappeared, I guess, in Cleveland. Is that where he was last? Right? Yeah, I believe that's where he was last. I kind of honestly, hey man, Clowney. Yeah, I've kind of forgot he was even really playing to be honest. And then I saw his name He's on the good, list, dude. and I was like, oh, I just saw it there. I think Clowney's the one that is more shocking just because it's a defensive end rusher. Like, most teams are going to always want defense, and the more guys you can get in, like, you know, Ndamukong Sue is one of those guys where he doesn't play a lot, but when he does play, he usually has good, impactful plays and makes makes 
defensive stops. I mm-hmm. think that Clowney could be one of those guys on a team that has a bunch, like Baltimore would be a good spot for him, I think. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. Baltimore's defense, I guess. They need more, man. You're just trying to stack them up. Or Injuries what? You got, happen. You, you got money know. on the. You got in, you got money on the Ravens this year or something? Or? No, not at no, all. I but I can see that though. If you have the he's, salary he's really cap good. spot and you're a defensive minded team, you're always going to need defense. Injuries are going to happen. Why not have more than enough defensive guys to throw on the line and change things up on the offense? Why don't the Browns want him back? Well, I mean. It didn't go well there, obviously. <laughs> yeah, 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 but it didn't go true. well when he was in Tennessee either, so maybe that's why he's still a free agent. Or maybe some of these guys just don't want to do training camp. They're just waiting for camp to get over and don't want to do it. <laughs> I mean, they are they are really good players. The names that we're naming, at least, they, they've been there. They've done that kind of thing, you know? So, I don't know. That's pretty crazy. I guess, though... I guess they don't... I guess it wouldn't be more competing for a role... Oh. Depending on the team that they went to, you think it'd be you think it, that's what's holding it? They want to see where they know they can shoe in as the starter, as opposed to going to somewhere that has maybe, if not an established back already, someone who's already there that that they'd have to fight for for starters reps for. Or you think that might be, and they're just waiting for that for that sweet spot? I feel like if you're a free agent at this point in time, there's a reason you're a free agent that nobody wants to give you a long term or give you necessarily a starting role because they already have those positions taken. So if you're a free agent at this point, you're going in as a backup role or a role player. If, you, if you're not going to accept that, then it's not going to matter where, where you go or where you get offered from. Mm, okay, I got you. That makes sense. I can see that. But one of the, I think, funny position battles, just because it seems like such a not a big deal, but in the time, as, the, as we saw last year with the Cowboys, uh, they just cut, Tristan Viscaino, after he's been struggling in camp, which if you're the kicker and you're struggling in camp, that's not a good sign at all. So everyone thinks, no. oh, okay, well, whoever they cut is gone. The guy that's still there is going to get the job. But now there's talk they might bring somebody else in because they don't necessarily think Brandon Aubrey is ready for the position either. Hmm. Yeah, missing in camp is never good. The There's no pressure, obviously. Nobody's <laughs> watching. You're there. I mean, the only pressure is that, you know, you want to – Make show the them that yeah that you're gonna make the team <laughs> that's that's pretty much it but other than that i mean it seems that the pressure is somewhat off so it's that's pretty sad yeah uh i know that some of the names that they were talking about at least for the cowboys were mason crosby and, and robbie gold both are you know veteran kickers who Very are good. pretty accurate you know from i would consider them you know among the top at least half of the league yeah. And I know that Crosby was obviously in Green Bay with McCarthy before, uh, so there's some ties there. Uh, think they bring in a vet or try to give Brandon this chance? Uh, if they're already thinking about bringing somebody else in, that means they don't have a trust in Brandon Aubrey. So I would think you bring someone else in. If I'm them, I, I mean, either one would be good, Crosby or Gold, but I think Gold would be my choice just because – I feel like the last couple of years in San Francisco, he's been a really big, important part of their, their team and why they've won. Because we know their quarterbacks are not the best, so they do a lot of running plays. But they also don't necessarily score a ton of touchdowns. They obviously don't get in the end zone if they're not throwing them all the time, so they have to probably give up some field goals. And I remember seeing gold against the Titans a couple of years ago in Frisco. I think he had like five field goals the whole game. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I don't know how it'll – I mean, I guess it would because I know Kellen Moore obviously has moved on. He's a – pretty pass-happy offensive coordinator. You think they probably run the ball more, might get stuck out 
Like the Niners have? Uh, I could see that. I well, just think he's, it's also he's Dak Prescott, so let's see how many picks he throws. <laughs> yeah, true. Where you start now? <laughs> you, might, you might need these these uh, uh, pickers to to save the day because he just can't get far enough. <laughs> Which I mean, speaking of quarterbacks, I think the one of the you know how we talked about quarterback two and what quarterbacks they should try to get on there next season, and we I thought I think the one that I don't know if it was you or I that said Baker Mayfield should be on that so we could watch him and his whole like re figuring out his career kind of like the Mariota role in the first season. Yeah, yeah. Well, now there's talk about they don't even know if it's him or Kyle Trask going to be starting in Tampa, so they're going to start Baker this weekend and then start Trask next weekend and then see where things are. And then apparently there's a not a, th- a person behind them on the depth chart. There's a space. And then the, th- the person after that is Wolford, which is the guy who used to be the backup in the ra- for the Rams. Wolford is so bad, he's like the fourth string at this point. So they're battling. So it's literally one A and one B. Yeah, and then and, three. And let's okay. see about how. Let, let me let's think about how good one A and B are. If that's not good. So it's going to be rough no. on offense for Tampa this year for sure. Well, that's okay. I mean, that's what happens when the goat leaves. I guess right. <laughs> There's going to be a large vacancy. Uh, I think that they might be doing it. I guess not necessarily on purpose. I don't know if they want to piss off, piss off the basketball gods. Basketball. Wow, what sport am I talking about? <laughs> the football gods. Uh, but they... I mean, Caleb Williams is right out there. So I know between the Bucks and the Cardinals, one I of was, them would be gunning for that number one. Yeah, I was just going to say, as a Cardinals fan, though, you're not going to want that to happen. So No, I want Baker to be successful. <laughs> I want Baker to be somewhat successful. This is his last chance. This is it, dude. To be this... a starter. Yeah. To be a starter. He could he could, he'll, he could still have an NFL career if this starting position doesn't work out with the Bucks. I think he would fall into, like we've discussed with Mariota, he could yeah. fall into that just long-term backup role. But... This is his last chance as a starter. So I hope he makes the best of it. I don't know much about him. I, maybe I need to go see uh, a documentary about this guy to learn <laughs> a little bit about his background more. But uh, I'm not I'm not rooting against him. No, me either. I just I feel bad because it's kind of similar to like a different uh, – uh, all the quarterbacks that go to Cleveland. Like they go there with such high expectations yeah. to get them out of the hole – and then it doesn't work, and then they leave, and then they just never have a career. Like it just seems like as soon as they get to Cleveland, it all just falls apart, and they can't go anywhere else. Yeah, they definitely do. There's like we've discussed, I believe in a previous episode, one of your favorite images about the Browns is that one person who's wearing that team <laughs> yeah. couch, you know, quarterback jersey, and just the the paper list that's attached to him that's just drug out on the ground of all the starting quarterbacks that they've tried out over the past X amount of years. Uh, it, it's it. sad to see. Yeah, it's sad to see. Which, you know, so. grass isn't always greener, man. Sometimes, you know, maybe like Baker should have stayed an extra year if he had or could have <laughs> not gotten drafted by the Browns. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes the grass could be greener on the other side. Uh, at least for when you're getting a, a change of scenery and trying to really set yourself apart. A lot's going into that for Eric Bieniemy, finally leaving Kansas City and Andy Reid's side. He's he's venturing out, obviously, the new offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders slash soon-to-be-named-changed football team. <laughs> and there's a report out this week that talks about how Ron Rivera, the head coach, is a little, quote, concerned by Eric Bieniemy's intensity. Did, did you read this story? Yeah, I kind of heard about this. I, I don't... 
Is it partially because maybe the enemy's coming from where he's expecting a lot of players? Like they just won their second Super Bowl in what four years, mm-hmm. and he was and there been for to three. Yeah, and he was there for all of it, and. <laughs> He's got a, a, a show that he's willing, able to be a head coach, right? It's the whole point. He left the Chiefs as an offensive coordinator to be the offensive coordinator here. He didn't get a promotion. He just sidestepped to try to show that it's not just Pat Mahomes, it's not just Andy Reid, that I can coach and I can lead a team. And if they're, this is a team in Washington that hasn't been to the playoffs in how long, they've struggled to even find some kind of consistency on offense. And then if the enemy comes in and he has like a plan, I mean – Again, he just came from Pat Mahomes and what they do. Like, there's there's a lot of level of expectations there coming to Washington. I'm assuming he's having out of these guys, and if they're not putting up to it, then you got to speak up. He has the resume to back it up, right? Yeah, I agree. He. This is my first thought when I read this story. Yeah, what the heck did you expect? <laughs> this guy just won to you, like you just said to your point, two Super Bowls out of the past three years or four years, and has been to three. So. Uh, he doesn't do it by lackadaisically just kind of showing up every Sunday and seeing what happens. I, I get that he had the best player in the league, in my opinion, in Patrick Mahomes. And watching from the documentary, quarterback on Netflix, he obviously puts everything he has into it, both physically and mentally. So I get that he maybe that yeah. To your point, he just expects that he he has players like the Travis Kelseys of the world who who they just want to win. That's what they do in Kansas City, and they make sure that they do everything they possibly can to prepare the best that they can to make sure that they're winning. Yeah, you know? and I'm assuming that the enemy expects that same level of commitment and intensity. Yeah, and if he's not getting it, then he's gonna show the intensity and get you on his level. That's how most leaders who are intense get it. Like you, you want them to follow you as you as you do. So. Here he is being intense and making sure you pay attention to detail. You do things right so that way when it comes to game time, there's no issues. And if you're a, if you're a Washington fan, you've got to be stoked, right? Like obviously Mahomes and Andy Reid are a big part of why they win in Kansas City, but Bieniemy was there too and helped. So it's not like he doesn't know anything. He has the resume to show you that I know how to win. I've been on winning teams. Like if you're a fan and you're the coaching staff there, shouldn't you be stoked that a guy is changing the culture like that's the whole point right you're not you haven't been winning with what you've been doing so if you don't change it and you expect like what's the saying to be crazy if to do the same thing over and over and expect different results yeah. then we're got to change the culture in order to get different results yeah if you're just going to be average and you're going to train average and you're going to prepare average you're going to practice average well then you're going to play average exactly. and if you want to be above that then then you're going to do better you put he was quoted he was quoted in the article exactly he was quoted in the article saying I want our guys clearly understand we don't take anything for granted. You see me pull players and have long discussions with them, so we're always on the same page. He goes on to describe himself as, quote, a tough, hard-nosed coach, but also understand I'm going to be the biggest and harshest critic, but also their number one fan. I got their back all the time. So he's only pushing them because he can see and he wants the best from them. You know, you need to you know, refine that diamond in the most intense places in order to really get that sparkle, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, again, if you're a player and he's coming from where he's coming from with what they've done, wouldn't you want to listen to him and do as he says? That's the I whole point. He's here. I wouldn't want otherwise. I, I looked it up recently. Washington, I won't even say the football team. 
has four seasons. I kind of wish they'd go back to that name, though, let's be honest. I, that's the best one. The Washington <laughs> football team is the best one. Honestly, I almost became a fan. The Wolf. Cool. With a big, with a cool W. Uh, yeah. I think it's cool. Um, so Washington has four seasons above 500 since the turn of the century. Oh, yes, you, you heard me. In the past 22 years, they've only been above 500 four times. And these are the records. 10 and 6. 10 and 6. Eight, seven, and one. Oh God! And nine and seven. So it's not so like really they're getting threes. these thirteen and threes <laughs> or you know anything crazy like that. Yeah, and the eight, seven, and one. Yeah, is give kind me of a barely. break. Yeah. So they also haven't had an offense ranked in the top twenty in points in the past five seasons since two thousand seventeen. So it's not whether or not they want to listen to the enemy. They need Eric B. Enemy, and what I think they need to do is. In the nicest way, as I'm not a professional football player, <laughs> shut up and listen. Right, that's what I'm saying. His resume speaks for itself. Why would you question what he says? And and I understand it's his first season there, but again, that's why he's there is to change the way you guys do things because the way you were doing them last year and the year before and the year before that didn't work. And Rivera is a defensive minded coach, so obviously as the head coach, that's where he's going to be heavily focused on. So to bring a guy in like the enemy is exactly what they needed and exactly why they did it. Yeah, granted, Mahomes did a lot and has done a lot, obviously. He does a lot as an incredible talent on the field. And they've had decent weapons. They've got Travis Kelsey constantly. They've obviously had Tyreek Hill. A lot of them, Patrick Mahomes, turns into good weapons. But Biennemi does know what he's doing. At least I believe that he does. And the results are there. You've seen, you've heard Andy Reid give him a lot of credit. You've heard Patrick Mahomes give him a lot of credit. Follow and see what the results are. That's what I would do. Yeah, which then the next day after this whole thing came out about being too intense, Rivera was asked about it again, and he said he kind of put his foot in his mouth, and he did talk to BNB himself, saying that, you know, it wasn't as clear as what it needed to be was what what I said. He was more discussing BNB's intensity, just like he didn't want him to portray his players as soft as they could be, basically. I think that's the biggest issue at that point. He's kind of... Kind of like, oh, I I made it look like my team is soft and my coaching is too hard. That's definitely not a positive. No. The fact that this got out at all is – not got out. I mean he t- he spoke about it. Yeah. The fact that he spoke about it, I guess, is what I mean. I guess the idea that his intensity got out. Why, why, why would he even bring it up? This isn't Ron Rivera's first rodeo. He was a player. He coached already, like you had mentioned the other day when we were talking about it. He went to the Super Bowl with yeah. Cam Newton. So he – it's not like this is his first time around the block. Don't let these weird little things like that out into the public. They're only going to spread. Yeah. It's only going to be negative. It's only going to be bad. So the more the more you can keep in house and control, the better. The less that leaks is but is just only beneficial. Do you think part of it too is is you got to think he's probably not going to be back next season because there's new ownership now. They're going to probably see how this goes. I depending on how it goes, which. Most people probably don't think it's going to go very well. They're he's coming probably, in last in their division. So then he's probably not going to make it through the whole season, right? So is that, at that point, is he more worried that the enemy's there to take his job? Because that's ultimately who they'll hand it off to as an interim to finish the season? Most likely. Yeah, most likely. It, oh, I, no, I, I say most likely in the sense that that would be the most likely option if right. Ron Rivera was relieved. Yeah. Uh, whether or not he believes that, though, I don't know. I I won't pretend to read his mind. I guess... I don't know how comfortable he feels. I mean, I know he's beaten cancer. He's done all yeah. sorts of things. I don't know if he's just content with where he's at or if he... I mean, I'm not saying that he's complacent. 
I no, mean, no. in the sense of, I wonder if he, you know, he's going to try his best. And if it's time to move on, then it's time to move on. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not quite sure how he feels about it. Either way, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a great opportunity for B enemy. I know he's been looking for, for a head coaching gig for a while. I know there's this a lot of talk around the league and the history about him not being able to get it. Is it because of, you know, his race and stuff like that? I hope that's not the case. I hope that people just, you know, believe that Andy Reid is it. But uh, if if this is an opportunity for him, I don't mean it at Ron Rivera's expense. No, no, of course not. But you just got to think he's been there for, what, three or four years now, and they haven't oh, yeah. won anything. So if they start off, you know, two and six, do they, you know, cut Rivera and give a half a season to be enemy to see if he can at least get something out of the team. That'd be cool. Get him some experience as well as right. with the uh, with the head coaching responsibilities. I know he's he's probably capable, but he's only used to being in charge of the offense. Yeah, and I, from what we remember, not really even calling plays. I know that Andy Reid really liked to do a lot of that still too. So. You know, it'd be kind of uh, it'd be interesting. It'd be cool because he's obviously going to be calling plays this year. I'm assuming then, right? As the as that Ron Rivera is going to take that duty over. God, I would hope so. Otherwise, what is he doing there? <laughs> if they're not going to let yeah. him call plays on his own this year, and Rivera's the defensive minded head coach, then yeah, there's definitely a problem. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, I mean, if if it's a way for him to get an opportunity, then then so be it. Uh, I think that he'd be great at it. So. All the best to Washington. I do think they're coming in last of the division, though. Uh, they have a lot of competition. It's a hard division. Every single one, even when I say th- I say this, crazy to think that I'm going to say this, but they don't have. They're they have the worst. Whoever they start, they have the worst quarterback in the division, yep. and that's saying something because Daniel Jones plays for the Giants, but <laughs> he is for sure better. But Saquon's back, so that's why he's going to be better. Exactly. I mean, obviously, Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the in this division, followed yeah. by, you know, Dak. But uh, yeah, they're they're not great. So, which speaking of not great, we kind of have to talk about it because it's in the news. But Henry Ruggs III, who used to play for the Raiders, uh, obviously had that extremely bad uh, car crash where I I don't remember how fast he was going. I know it was 168 okay. miles an hour in his oh, Corvette. God, I knew it was really fast. Uh, he was sentenced to three to ten years in prison for a fatal accident back in 21, like we talked about. Um, I think the three years is based on probably, like, good behavior and stuff to get out of him, but looking yeah, at a possible probation. 10, yeah, yeah, but it's just it's sad because, you know, these players have the ability to just call and get a cab or afford to get an Uber, like, way more than we ever would, no problem. And they still yeah. don't. And for somebody to lose their life because of it, it's, like, the worst part. Yeah, not that I would want him to lose his life. I don't want anybody to lose their life, but it's it's sad when you take a life too. You know, he he it was his his bad doing obviously an insane amount of speed on the side streets, and uh, obviously after an autopsy, no, I'm sorry, after a what's the toxicity report from Henry Ruggs? He I think he had 0.161 in his system oh, so more than gosh. Tw- more than twice the legal limit so it's just a really sad case for everyone involved like you said uh condolences to tina tinter's family and max the dog um yeah there's a lot online if you guys want to read up about it. we don't want to get into too much of the details but we just hope that people can kind of learn from this case you're not invincible no matter who you are just you know don't drink and drive it's yeah, not cool absolutely so, no drinking and yeah. driving yeah continuing continuing on with uh another Somewhat sad story that obviously that also involves a, a lot of drinking. 
you and I had both uh, given ourselves homework this week to watch the <laughs> That's a good untold, way to put it, homework. Yeah, right? Untold Johnny Football documentary on Netflix. Uh, it was pretty intense, about a little over an hour long, just kind of details. I wouldn't say his entire life, but really his football journey, yeah. I guess you would say. So it was it was pretty good. Your Your initial thoughts? I actually kind of feel bad for him uh, after all the stuff he went through. I mean, I remember him being like the biggest deal in the world at the time. I didn't realize how long ago it was. What did you say? It was 2012, right? Yeah. That's yeah. when – no, that's not when he was drafted. That's No, when no, but I mean that's when him. he was in college. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I remember him just dominating and it being like one of those – it, it kind of feels like what we watch Pat Mahomes do now where it just – it seems so effortless and just kind of he's just running out of the pocket, finds a, a gap, does his thing, or makes like a pump fake and a weird throw. Uh, I just – it was nuts. And then to see all the stuff he went through behind the scenes, I mean, I, I knew he, he got in trouble for like signing autographs and getting paid possibly somehow or how he got out of it I did not remember. And the fact that his best friend was like basically brokering all the deals on the side – and then they had way too much money. They're out there driving fancy cars and sitting courtside. And so they come up with a story of that his parents are rich and come from oil, which, I mean, I that was what they, that's what the story was back then. I remember that being a story like, oh, he came from rich and family and he doesn't have work ethic because of it. And it turns out that was all a lie. But why weren't journalists checking that back then? Like, how did we get through that? And Manti Teo with a girlfriend that nobody checked into at the same time. How does that happen? I don't know. But yeah, I really actually did think his family was rich. I I believed it. I actually had a lot of preconceived notions about Johnny Manziel just from what the media has spun. I've grown as I've as I've grown older, I've learned not to trust the media and really what <laughs> anything that they say. So <laughs> I, I definitely apologize for that. Not that Johnny will ever listen to this. Um Hey, you never know, man. He could be our number yeah, one fan. That's true. Hey, I hope so, man. <laughs> I actually became a really kind of big fan of his. It's it's pretty crazy. A little bit of rundown like you were kind of saying. Even just the first play of his high school oh, career. Oh, my gosh. Right? The coach calls a, a run up the middle, and he takes it 80 yards to the house. There's a flag on the play for holding. 10-yard penalty. Coach calls in the same exact play. And doesn't the very he's next like, play. wait, what? <laughs> and he's, he was so surprised. Then takes it 90 yards to the house. So Talk about a start. Just a lightning in a bottle start. So, uh, I'm I was I was I liked it. I I remember him. I remember watching him. I was I enjoyed seeing the the craziness that was surrounding him and just the craze. I mean, even on the field is what I meant. Uh, there's a lot obviously off of it as well. But after learning about that money scheme, who does he wish he lived in the NIL oh, age? Dude, oh my he would have made so much money if he was in NIL times. Wow. Yeah, real quick, Mo, if you want to bleep this out, I have to say it, but if you want to bleep it out, you definitely can. Man, fuck the NCAA, <laughs> dude. All they do is steal money from all these student-athletes, and I just, I can't stand it. So I'm glad that he did it. I don't care. I think that he deserves it. He was the one playing. He was the one that everybody wanted something from, and it was the university who profited, and the and the the documentary details it millions and tens of millions of dollars individuals the coaches got to raise everything so good for him get get that cash bro yeah i i never understood the whole like 
before NIL existed. Like if you're doing, if you're playing the sport, you don't have to necessarily like sell your own stuff there. But if somebody wants to pay you to go do stuff on the side and do commercials, so I don't understand why you could never do that. That made, never made any sense to me. So the fact that he did it and somehow got away with it, totally cool with it. Don't have any problem with it at all. Uh, glad he got away with it. Glad it, I mean, as long as he did until he got to the NFL and then he got paid for real. Well, for a little bit, not for very long. But, yeah. but it, it's just, it's crazy because the biggest thing to me was when they asked, his, his agent was talking about, you know, the team called me up and, you know, the Browns, that is. Uh, like, you know, is he, is it true? He's like, is he really not watching film? Like, well, no, he's got to be watching like some film. And then they're like, well, his iPad hours, because obviously the team gives you these iPads, they track how much you're watching or can at least track if they think they need to. And it was at zero. And so then it cuts to Johnny. He's like, yeah, zero. I didn't watch film. I didn't watch film in college. So does that mean he won a Heisman Trophy as a redshirt freshman just playing backyard ball the whole season? He didn't watch any film or do anything? Which is insane and <laughs> shows exactly how talented he is. Right? Like, I remember the watching first... a lot of that stuff. That was insane stuff. Yeah. The first freshman Heisman, by the way, he was the first person to ever do it first ever freshman to win that it was almost like an unspoken rule that a freshman couldn't win it you yeah know? it was it was taboo in johnny's words from the documentary the only other by note to ever do it since is Jameis winston who was also a redshirt freshman so only two people have done it all time and johnny menzel was the one who broke a uh, barrier but to your point that's insane how talented he is basically he could have been great yeah in the nfl right but he didn't even care to try he just was so unhappy in Cleveland with his life. He was just so, just in so much turmoil with everything that was going on. I know he says in the documentary that he doesn't think any t- other team would have been like he was going down this spiral no matter what. Yeah. Um. I as much as I don't want to pretend like I know anything about him or his life, I feel like he could have had at least. I maybe had a better chance in an organization. I don't know if he was. Oh, yeah, he was for sure there at the time. I don't know why they would have taken him. But, you know, like a New England or like a Pittsburgh or like Seattle with uh, Pete Carroll. You know, like just somebody with like a strong will to kind of help him and just try to get him in. Again, I don't want to speak for him. If he says it wouldn't have worked, then it wouldn't have worked. But I think that would have helped at least a little bit. The Ravens or something like that. You know, like going to an organization with some strong leadership to kind of help him on his role. And he just, yeah, kind well, of didn't. Part of it too, he said, like you said, he talked about it, it wouldn't matter where he got drafted. He said part of the problem was is once he got to Cleveland and it became a job, he kind of didn't like football anymore. He kind of lost the joy of the game which he even mentioned too, like, you know, the biggest thing to me when I played in college is like the camaraderie with the guys and, you know, we're all friends and we're going to class together and hanging out. But like, you know, once you're in NFL, like everyone's got their own lives and families and wives and kids or, you know, whatever. So like, you're not really as a tight knit group as you probably would be as a college team. So he mentioned he wouldn't, uh, he wasn't, he just wasn't happy and didn't love the game anymore. So if it would have been that same way anywhere, then maybe regardless, he's right. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered. He even talks about that. It's, it's, if it's not the last line, it's one of the last lines. He's just a frat boy, and his fraternity just happened to be the football team. Yeah, that's exact. That's it's, yeah, that's exactly how he put it. That's the best way to describe it because he was a party frat boy. I mean, the, what was the thing his other buddy said? If win or lose, we booze. I think it was the saying that yep. they had. Win or lose, <laughs> like, we booze, and he said he meant it. And he didn't talk about football after football. He just like he went and played football, and then he went back to normal life. It like it was almost like it was his side chick. 
Yeah, agreed, agreed. I wish he would have been able to control his substance abuse because he said, you know, he spotted he was doing coke, he was doing oxy, he was drinking, binge drinking like crazy. She didn't care, you know, yeah. and that's when he decided to kind of lead down that road of he had literally planned to just spend all his money and have whatever he wanted to do in his life and then just take his own life. But luckily for him, his family, and kind of for anybody else that might be associated with him, even even us, like watching this documentary, I'd like like to learn more about him. It's uh, it's glad I'm glad that the gun just clicked. Yeah, and it's good to see because obviously as a young kid, it looked like he had he had a good upbringing and going into high school, he was really good. So going to college, you think he's going to be great going beyond. But man, it just it got really rough there for a while but glad to see him in like at least a better place now and you know going a long way going up and down a big mountain so back to where he started yeah. agree i hope he can get better uh towards the end obviously he seems to be a little bit cleaner he's back home with his father and his parents just kind of trying to figure out life and try to focus on himself yeah basically uh, back to, i actually kind of like the guy yeah me too and basically like you said going back home like that and starting over base back to basics and being a kid essentially which Mm-hmm. You know, kids these days, man, they start playing sports a lot younger than they used to. Did you hear about this 13-year-old kid signing and going yes. to play in the USL? Yeah, so the USL, the United Soccer League, is basically like the Division Two to Major League Soccer. Uh, he's at the youngest player to become a, prof- a soccer professional in the United States at 13 years Five months and 13 days. His name is Davion Kimbrough. Dude, that's crazy. 13 and you're signing a contract of some sort of of any kind with a team? This is like stuff they do over in Europe, though, for soccer. They have all those academies. They sign these kids really young and get the... I mean, I don't know how old Messi was when he was signed. I'm sure he was probably a teenager as well. So this is not something new to the sport of soccer. It's just something new to us because it's just... It's U.S. kids getting signed so young. Like, we're not usually that good at soccer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very true. Well, I'm glad to see that we're catching up with the world, to be honest with you. So, yeah, he signed with the uh, Sacramento Republic FC, and he was a forward. Who The story, basically, of how he got signed is he was a forward who joined Sacramento's Youth Academy in 2021. And he initially gained notoriety in the previous June playing in something called the Basaveld U13 Cup. So it's a, that's a tournament featuring youth teams from some of Europe's top clubs. Uh, and as a guest player for the New York Red Bulls, he actually helped the Red Bulls Academy team become the first MLS team to win the tournament. They've oh, never shit. won the, the Basaveld U13 Cup, and he was the first time, it was the first time, and he was named MVP. Wow, MVP? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, well, maybe he'll maybe he'll be worth it then. The MVP yeah, maybe the he'll be good. Maybe he'll be good. He's still going to finish his education. Apparently, he plans to enroll in a place called Elk Grove Charter School, uh, that's in the Sacramento Valley area, I guess, basically. So Elk Grove. Uh, I feel like I know someone. I feel like Dana's from that area, actually, <laughs> dude. To be honest, oh no way. Uh, yeah, I know she's from the Sacramento area. Elk Grove sounds familiar. I feel like I've been there. Nice. Well, I guess we'll maybe maybe she'll go see him play. We'll see <laughs> if he can can get his way uh, up the ranks and maybe become a legend someday. Oh man! Speaking of legends, another one, another t- Hall of Fame. NBA this time. Yeah, back to back weekends of Hall of Fame ceremonies. I didn't. Is that something we normally do every year? And I just never noticed. That might be, and I like to, like you've said, I never noticed. Now, the one thing I always remember is the first game of the NFL season, well, preseason, is the Hall of Fame game. So I always remember that that's there. That's but true. I guess I just don't, I just, I mean, I love basketball. It's my 
first slash second favorite sport, depending on how the Lakers are doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I know I pay attention to it, but I, I guess I just don't pay attention to it. This, but the enshrinement is actually going to be this Saturday, August twelfth, tomorrow. So um, some big names though on the card this year. Heck yeah, dude! And some Lakers in there. Pau Gasol, woo woo! Always like to yep. see Pau. And again, Love this Pau. is this is basketball Hall of Fame. This is not NBA Hall of Fame. This is not just NBA stuff. So. Pau Gasol mm, had sure. obviously played a lot of international with Spain and won a lot, won with the Lakers. I think he won Rookie of the Year back with the Grizzlies too, if I remember correctly. So totally makes sense for him to be into the Hall of Fame, first ballot. Uh, nice to see Becky Hammond get in there, which I think she's just, I mean, she's still coaching now and she's so young. So she's just going to continue to add to her impressive resume that she already has at this point. Yeah, I agree. He did. He did win. I just double-checked for oh, you. Okay. He did win. He did win Rookie of the Year. Uh, another another big name, legendary player, played twenty or twenty one. Twenty one right now. Twenty one. Twenty one seasons. Dirk Nowitzki, all with the same team, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, champion beat the Heat, so oh. that was pretty cool. Another Lost member to the of heat the Heat and beat the Heat. <laughs> yeah, very true. Lost to the Heat and beat the Heat. Member of the Heat that he lost and beat uh, Dwayne Wade, also another member of the class this year. <clears throat> another guard. We got Tony Parker and his coach. Greg Popovich. Yeah, that's good. That's them, that's cool that they get Solid. to go in together. Uh, I, I mean, Pop is still again coaching as well, so he's just going to continue to add to his resume at this point with Wemby. Who knows what that entails? Uh, but another coach that got in also is Jim Valvano, which we all know is famous for the big "never give up" speech back when he was battling cancer and at the ESPYS. When I mean, I even though I don't watch the ESPYS every year, when they start playing that speech on over and over and over man it's it's hard not to watch it and get goosebumps no i agree uh the jimmy v jimmy v week right they have yeah. it during college basketball season i agree legendary coach uh that quote and that that speech in general is great but that quote at the line at the end just don't give up don't ever give up this that's yeah. deep man that's yeah, that's pretty it sticks good. in with you yeah exactly any any issues with the main headliners here no this this is a good class um there's, you know, sometimes like well, we'll talk about it in a second. There's classes that are like really good, and some classes, at least the first ballot guys, are just not very good. And it's really a just in general. I can't believe they're letting some people in. Kind of like we talked about Scott Rowland in the baseball one. It's not really yeah. the the best uh, person to be put in the Hall of Fame, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, Pop again, like we talked about, still talk, still playing, or still coaching. He's already over seventy, so we'll see how much longer he goes. I know he signed a five year deal. Uh, like we talked about, Pow was a no doubter. Uh, I would I. It, the only worst bad part about Pow is Kobe's not here to be there at a ceremony because you know the way they yeah. were so close, he would have definitely been there. So I'm hoping or guessing that Vanessa might be there or one of the girls might show up. I know they're still really close to the family. Yeah. Um, again, that'd like, be cool. Yeah, it would be awesome. Just, just even if Vanessa just showed up, that'd be fine. They don't have to have the whole family yeah. there. But yeah, yeah I yeah. think there's a very close knit that she'll be there. I would assume. Um, and then, like I talked about, Becky Hammond's just a baller. Everywhere she goes, she wins. She was on the coach in San Sacramento. Uh, I think it's kind of cool that her and Powell are going to get to go in at the same time as well because when Powell was in San Antonio at the end of his career there, he got to play while uh, Becky was one of the coaches there. And I know there's always been talk of, like, who's going to get the first woman or who's going to be the first woman to coach in the NBA, and I, I think it's going to be Becky Hammond. It's got to be her. Yeah, I think the only there's reason... no one really, like, close. I think the only reason she took like... the Aces job is she knew pa- uh, Pop was going to get an extension and stay longer because, I mean, he's just going to coach until he can't anymore, <laughs> basically until they kick him basically. off the court. So I think it's cool that Pow and her go to go in together because Pow wrote an article 
for the Tribune back in 2018 talking about, like, I've played with some of the best players in this generation, played under the two of the sharpest coaches in history, Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich. And I'm telling you, Becky Hammond can coach. I'm not saying she can coach pretty well. I'm not saying she can coach enough to get by. I'm not saying she can coach almost at the level of the NBA's male coaches. I'm saying Becky Hammond can coach NBA basketball, period. So to Oof. get to get the backup of Powell oh, wow. like that is awesome. So them to go in together, I think, is just another awesome thing to see. And it, it's just a good class. Yeah, I agree. I have absolutely no problems with the at least the headliners here. It's a deeper class. There's some people that we aren't discussing, and we just don't know them to be honest with you. Uh, so I have I have zero zero problem. Pop's still coaching, so it's weird because most times they're out of the league. But I yeah. get it. Like you said, he's a little bit older and obviously deserves it. There's you you even mentioned it that there's nothing that him that he needs to do with Wemby. He's a Hall of Famer regardless of what happens if he quit today. He's yep. Top, probably top five coaches of all time in my, is my guess, right? So Yeah, for sure. Probably so I get it. Top three. Yeah, yeah. He's So my favorite player on this list is Powell, for obvious reasons, the yeah. affiliation with the Lakers. So happy he's getting in. I, the weird thing, though, is I'm starting to feel a lot older seeing players <laughs> I watched growing up, even a little, like, it's just weird. I, I mean, I'm a, there's a grow. I, I don't know. It's just so weird because... I feel like that's when I was. I mean, it's awesome for them. Yeah, I'm happy, but, but this just makes me feel old. Yeah, no, that's dude. Trust me that that uh that is definitely part of this. Seeing these guys get to the point of they've played their whole careers and they've been out long enough to now be eligible for the Hall of Fame because I know it takes a couple years to get there. So yeah, it definitely makes you feel a little old. But these are some good guys that we got to see, or girls, I should say, that played in uh their played their prime years when we were like basically in our like youth watching all these people play and get to mm-hmm. their get to their top of the mountain yeah so it's fun to see it's fun to see but it does like it just makes me feel a little old <laughs> especially with my birthday just passing and all these people i watched are retiring i'm just like geez. i mean i know it's a a sport where you retire younger you know yeah i was gonna say like you're not i know you're 35 years. and in sports years yeah. you would take retiring soon but dude you're not yeah. retiring anytime soon. no unfortunately i'm nowhere near <laughs> the payroll that these guys have had but like you mentioned earlier, the 2024 class is, is coming up. We dug through some of the names that are on the list. And these, yes, ladies and gentlemen, these are the, <laughs> the top of the list. Uh, I said this wasn't a great my, class. Yeah, in my opinion, there's only, just my opinion, there's only one person that I would say yes to. I think everybody else, I think one is a maybe that you think about and everybody else is a no. So uh, let's go over real quick. We got Vince Carter. That's what I'm saying is the obvious yes. I'm just going to give it to him. Half man, half amazing. If you have a nickname <laughs> like half man, half amazing, I think you're in. All right. right. Sounds good. We got Jamal Crawford. That one's the maybe. What you with? No. Eh? no I, honestly, More. I'm going to tell you right now, everybody on this list, I am no on, and I'm even eh on Vince Carter. And I think the only reason he gets in is because he has the Olympic stuff and the dunks are all crazy and everything, but like, and he played 22 seasons, which is the longest yeah. amount of time. But, like, at the end of the day, I'm, it, my criteria for being a Hall of Famer is different. We talked about this last week. Like, if you ask me right away yes or no, or if I can tell the sport history without that person, yes or no, which it's with Vince Kenya. Carter is the second question, no, I cannot. Thank you. So he's in. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I was just about to say. <laughs> yeah. I think, he, I think he, meant he meets the second criteria. Yes, he does. You cannot talk about the history of basketball without talking about Vince Carter. His highlight dunks and that dunk contest is so legendary, it cannot be missed. Just similar, in my opinion. I'm not saying they're going to go down as the greatest, but the second one after Vince was 
with uh, Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon going back and forth. Oh, that's that was nasty. That was so good. So I would say another. I agree with you, though. I don't think any of these people on the list will continue. Jamal Crawford is the only one that I would say maybe. He won a lot of six man of the year awards. I think it was three. Which we talked stuff. about. And then I, I was, we were looking it up like, oh, for sure they named the six man award after him, right? Because they just started naming all the awards and he's won it the most times. And then, no, it was John Havlicek. It wasn't even Jamal Crawford. <laughs> Well, they only picked old people, though. We looked at all the other names, and they were like old people. I, don't I know. Mean that in a rude way. I'm just mean like real, like beginning like of for, the NBA. Yeah, but I feel like for this one, you could have made an extent. I mean, he won the award six times. That's the, right, four or five times, whatever Three. it was. Three. Okay. Three. Yeah, Jamal he won Crawford, it yeah. a bunch more than anybody else, and on different teams, I believe. Agree. Yeah. So I get that, but the rest of the list. These are the headliners, folks: Kyle Korver, <laughs> Joakim or Joakim Noah, Tyson Chandler. And J.J. Barea. It's a little shallow this year, my friend. I, To your point, I would vote for zero of them except Vince Carter. I feel like Joachim Noah might get in just because he's got the back-to-back college titles at Florida. Oh, you're right, you're right. Played internationally, I think, with France. So he might have a bigger resume just because it's includes all that stuff and not just, and he NBA. was a part of that team. He wasn't just like, Oh yeah, no sitting on the bench. Yeah. No, he played no. for Florida. He played, Him, yeah, Horford, so. Corey Brewer, those three for sure. I remember were a huge part of that back-to-back title team. Yeah. So I'll give him that. You're right. You're right. We'll give him that. But see, I guess me, I want an NBA hall of fame because that's what I watch. I yeah. don't, I mean, I watch college basketball too, but I don't think of hall of fame in that, in that sense. Right. Yeah. So, in my opinion, I'm thinking NBA Hall of Fame, and he would in zero way, shape, or form make an NBA Hall of Fame. He played in the NBA, and he's that's great. He was good. He was av- average. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he was really good in college, and he won two titles. So that's pretty good. So Yeah. yeah. Which... Another, uh, another sport that's starting up soon, hockey. I think it's the first time talking about hockey, no? Yeah, yeah, it is. But we're getting closer, and now we had that big trade with the the Penguins trading for Eric Carlson from San Jose. So it's just making um, it's just it's one last run for basically Ovechkin and Malkin because they're both in their late thirties at this point. Malkin's thirty seven, Crosby's thirty six. Mm. So bringing in Carlson, uh, the Penguins didn't make the playoffs last year for the first time, and I think like sixteen straight years. So. Ooh. Yeah, so they're and I'm sure Crosby doesn't want to go out that way. They brought Malkin back no. last year, so they got to at least make a shot. Now with this trade with Carlson, though, they are technically over the cap for like eighty thousand dollars, and in the Ooh. NHL you oh, can't be over at all. So they're oh. gonna have to cut that. They'll figure that out. But overall, I think San Jose did really good in this trade, getting a, a first round pick from Pittsburgh. They get Gronlin, they get Roda. They also got Mike Huffman from Montreal, and said Montreal just kind of gets involved to get a little bit. They get a goalie, uh, Casey DeSmith, defenseman Jeff Petrie, which there's already talk they might flip him for something else, and then a second-round pick from Pittsburgh. So overall, you know, San Jose, who's in a complete rebuild, gets basically younger and picks. Montreal gets a little bit of picks as well because they're kind of rebuilding, and it gives Pittsburgh one last shot with Crosby because now they have the new GM, Dubas, there, who was in Toronto for the last few years. Um, which I think it's funny. I think Dubas is younger than Crosby. I think he's like 35 or 36 too. <laughs> and that's so crazy. Um, but I think this is Malkin and Crosby's last like hurrah, basically getting Carlson in there to hopefully sort shore up the defense a little bit and get in front of the goalies. Cause I know Pittsburgh can score. That's not the problem. So if they can stop the goals from being allowed next year, they have a shot to get back in the playoffs and stay in the club playoffs. It doesn't matter what seed you are. Once you get in, anything can happen. We saw that this year with Florida. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, going from the eight seed essentially in the East to the Stanley Cup final. It's a heck of yeah. a run. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm happy that they're doing some stuff, especially after missing the playoffs. I I'm a Pittsburgh fan, not like necessarily my my favorite team, but yeah. I do root for them. I've always been Team Crosby over Team Ovechkin. Uh, so. I know this is where we battle. We should have a Crosby Ovechkin uh, like duel of like facts and see who can come up with the most or the better ones. Right, let's go. <laughs> Besides, That's a segment upcoming. Anyways, we were talking about a new <laughs> segment today, so we do have a segment coming up uh, that we're that we're planning maybe for next week. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, okay. And then, like I said, what else happened in the NHL? The, the biggest one is uh, my Ducks. They finally signed Troy Terry back. So seven years, forty nine mil, seven seven. Um, oh, thank God! I was really worried it wasn't going to get done and they'd be screwed because he had sixty plus points the last two years. Uh, last year he had twenty three goals. Previous year he had thirty seven. So his goals went down, but his assists went up to still be over sixty points. Which means you know he's not getting as many open shots for himself, but he's creating other options for the team. And with Zegris around him and other guys that are younger, and hopefully uh, Jamie Drysdale can be healthy this year. Um, you know, a lot of things to be excited about. Uh, I think they did a good thing bringing in Alex Kalorn and Rodko Gudis, who both have played in the Stanley Cup final. I know Kalorn has two cups. Uh, Gudis does not. He just lost with Florida this year. But they actually played together back in Tampa in 2012 and 13. Uh, I think Pat Verbeek, who is the Ducks GM, was the assistant GM in Tampa during that time. So there's a lot of connection of bringing those guys over. I think it's one of those where Pat knows this team is very young and they need some veteran leadership. So bringing in yeah. some you know, 10, 12-year vets who have won or have been there, uh, we can kind of mesh that with the younger guys that we have. We have a couple guys in the middle but haven't really been that far like these other two that they brought in. So... I'm just excited. Now I just need them to re-sign Zegers real quick, who's restricted, but that'll be just a formality. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, dude. It's, can't, you can't be worse than 32nd from last year out of 32, right? <laughs> no, I guess, yeah. <laughs> coming in dead last is on, the only way is up. By the way, I understand that the Anaheim Ducks aren't the most flashy franchise, but don't – just because Chicago, they don't <laughs> – they stole – that first pick, okay? Uh, that's 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 no. They did that on purpose. They just didn't want one of the prospects of a lifetime getting quote unquote lost, I guess, in Southern California. They wanted him prime position, playing for the Blackhawks. So, man, I think I think the Ducks got screwed on that pick, if you ask me. But that's neither here nor there. Not what you asked me. You asked me <laughs> if there's anything better than thirty second, and I say yes. Uh, as long as we can, dude, I just beat the Kings, man. That'd make me uh, happy. That's a, that's a but, tough uh, task. <laughs> yeah. But I really just want, uh, I'm, I'm just to your, like you said, I want, I want Trevor Beck. That guy, some of the goals, the highlight goals that he has, he just looks like he's having so much. He looks like Johnny Menzel, but like in college, maybe without the alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hopefully he's watching more film than Johnny Menzel too. <laughs> but like the fun part, like the fun, just like dude going out there, having fun, just really talented. So, I uh, I like it again. I hope that we're not in. I hope we're not 32nd again. I enjoy going to these games. Uh, I know that you're able to kind of snag me some tickets sometimes, but it's not that fun to drive all the way over there if, you know, I'm just the team I'm rooting for is I'm going over there knowing they're about to lose. Yeah, so. or at least going to get beat badly. I don't. I, I can get over losing one goal games, but and sure. being in games. But when you're losing five to one or five to two, like it's not even competitive. So again, fun. I think. The guys they brought in, especially Gudis, is on the defensive side, so him and Fowler can hopefully kind of shore up the defense. Jamie Drysdale comes back after breaking his collarbone last year, like in the first month, so 
having him there all year will be nice. Uh, there's just a lot of young guys that are now there. Hopefully this young kid, Drew Hellison, who's also a defenseman, can maybe make the team, and then they have like a nice blend of the older guys, Fowler and uh, Rudis, and then these young kids to go with it. There's a new coach, Greg Cronin's in the house, which okay, I didn't know who he was when they hired him. Obviously, I I, I work for the team in the team store. Okay, guys, that's the secret here. <laughs> I work for the team, so I get Brendan <laughs> right his tickets. Um, but like I watched the press conference of him getting hired, and first of all, he's a Boston guy, so always love hearing the Boston accent. Um, oh, nice. But just like hearing him talk about like how he's going to blend for the younger guys and developing them because that's kind of his thing. He's been a development coach in a lot of places and an assistant. But being able to like know how to talk to the older guys, but and keep them engaged in what they're doing, mm-hmm. I, I was sold. I was ready. I was like, I can understand why they they chose him as the coach. He's got. 36 years of experience as like a coach or player development like I talked about. Uh, he also, this is a long time ago, but he technically actually was the assistant coach back at the University of Maine when Paul Correa was there. In nice. The, in Duck legend. So, which Korea was part of the, co- Korea is like a part of the organization as like a consultant essentially. So I'm sure he okay. sold off on Cronin. Uh, yeah. I know the big thing was, as they talked about Pat Verbeek and him met to talk, you know, most interviews probably take an hour, hour and a half. He said they both talked about how after four hours they were just like still talking and you know it's one of those oh this is a good vibe I think I think this makes sense kind of thing. I like that. I like that the basically what I like is I love to see the changes are being made. Yeah, you know, coming in last place is not that fun. The guys don't like it. The organization I hope doesn't like it. So I'm just I love to see the changes are being made. I'll be honest, I don't quite follow hockey as much as you do. Uh, I don't know the impact these players are going to have exactly, uh, but I'm excited to see that talent and experience are basically heading to Orange County, California uh, with the players and with the coaches that are kind of coming up. I'm just excited to see where they can go from here for sure. Well, the big a big part of that, though, for them to be better than last year is going to be defense because that was our biggest issue. We could not stop anything last year. and. That's not anything on John Gibson because as a goalie, you can only do so much by yourself back there if no one's playing defense in front of you as a team. So by bringing in Gudis and having Fowler and now Jamie Drysdale healthy, those are some good defensemen that hopefully can build a, a team effort and build a wall in front of Gibson so he doesn't have to have 45 or 50 saves for us to even have a chance in a game. I think last year he had like two games in a four-game stretch where he had 50-plus saves. It's just you Jeez. can't you can't do that you know fifty sixty times a year out of eighty games and expect to be able to win all the time. You just can't do that. Right. So yeah, I think as long as the defense is built in front of him is better and Gibson can just be his normal thing because I mean he is in his prime and I think he's thirty or thirty one. So this is the time if we're gonna win with him there, build the wall in front and let's see what we can do. He's not bad, man. Not at all. He's an Olympic goalie. Uh, I know there was talk in the off season that he rumor that he talked about wanting to get traded but then that kind of agent was like no that's not what happened and it went away but he's still got three years left i think he's in the middle of his prime if we can build something in front of him and not just leave him out to hang by himself all the time then i think we'll be okay i at least want to compete for a wild card spot can we at least compete for a wild card spot dude keep it interesting you know what i'm saying at least in february or march (laughs) exactly that's what I'm saying. Even if they don't, which of course we hope that they do, even if they don't actually get the wild card spot, like you said, compete for it. Make it make it interesting. Make make people want to go to the games and, and root for you guys. Yeah, make uh, our make, make games in March and April kind of at least count and have some meaning to them. Don't by you know February just be like, oh, we're just playing out their schedule because we have to now. Yeah, like, see if we can no get fun. another number one pick. <laughs> 
as much as they're nice to have, they're not guaranteed. Yeah, the NHL. Yeah, NHL kind of. I'm just saying, man. I think that was. I think the Ducks got screwed, dude. Yeah, I do too. And you know, we don't want to go back. We talked about it could have been rigged, possibly, but you know that always takes me back to like the Knicks in the 1984 frozen envelope kind of stuff. So we don't want to go back over history. The only thing we want to do is look back at this week in sports history. This week in sports history. So this week in sports history, on August 9th, 1988, coming off their fourth Stanley Cup win in the last five seasons, the Edmonton Oilers do the unthinkable. They trade Wayne Gretzky, hockey's biggest superstar. Just as he's entering his competitive peak, Gretzky departs a team where he looked like the centerpiece of a budding dynasty. And his destination is the Los Angeles Kings, in a city that barely knows it even has a (laughs) hockey team. Now, I was four days old when this happened. Which means I wasn't alive yet. You weren't here yet. (laughs) Coming in the coming months, but you weren't quite here yet. But uh, yeah, August 9th, 1988, 35 years ago, basically, this week, Wayne Gretzky came to L.A. He played seven and a half seasons in Los Angeles before being traded to the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Obviously a player that needs... Absolutely no introduction. Known as the goat of hockey, the great one is his nickname. Yeah, he's the historical leader in goals, assists, and points. Uh, although his goal uh, record is kind of in question and could be in jeopardy, he he retired with eight hundred and ninety four, and there's currently second place as an active player in Alex Ovechkin with eight hundred and twenty two. So. That dude can score. Uh, he's getting close. He he has 1,963 assists. The second place is 1,249, literally 700 assists short. And that guy's retired. There's no, I don't yeah, think this long is happening either. <laughs> and then he's also the uh, NHL leader in career points with 2,857. Second place is Yarmir Yager, who just retired after like 45 seasons in the NHL. <laughs> With 1,921 points. So, enough with the boring stuff. Do you remember this? Do you, what's up with this guy, man? The great one. Thoughts? Well, I mean, first of all, I think Ovechkin has a shot. He's only, what, 70 away? If he plays another two, three years, yep, he could 72. get him on the goals. Um, but, I mean, without Gretzky going to the Kings and creating a buzz in Southern California of hockey or the West Coast in general... Uh, the Ducks do not exist, which means I do not have a job in sports that I currently have now. <laughs> so uh, I kind of have to thank him for my job in general. But as a sports fan, like, I, I mean, I grew up obviously with the Kings first, but I didn't really watch hockey. I think my parents took me to a game there at the Forum, but I didn't really watch it. And then once the Mighty Ducks movie came out and the Ducks became a team, that's kind of when, I don't know, it, it's weird. I always pick new franchises, it feels like, with my teams, like, the Ducks started, I was a fan from day one. The Dimebacks started, I'm a fan from day one. The Oilers go to Titans, I, I jump on the bandwagon. It's kind of weird. Um, but without without him, there's no Ducks, and I'm not a fan of, the, of hockey as much as I am at this point probably. like That's kind of what's driven my fanhood is getting into the Ducks and then working there and just being a part of the organization and the games. It's just it's hard not to like fall in love with that sport. I always tell people if you don't like it or you haven't seen it, don't watch it on TV. You need to go see it in person because in person does 
wonders for you to understand how hard the sport is and what these guys do and how they do it. Agreed. Yeah. And like you said, the Ovechkin's pretty close. He averages 40. I just looked, he averages 46 goals a season. So he only needs to play two more seasons and he already takes the lead. Yeah. But he, what's his average the last like three years? Cause he's getting older. So it's obviously going down. Uh, so last year, 42. Oh, so just wow. below it. The okay. year four <laughs> below it. The year before that, 50. Oh, okay. It. My bad. I'll shut up. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be like, oh, he's got like 32 the last couple, but he's slowing down. But he's still scoring 40 no. a year. Okay. Not the past three seasons, but the three seasons before that, 2017 to 18, 18 to 19, and 19 to 20, he led the league in in goals. All right. Keep doing with, you. And, uh, and to be honest, 51 and 48. I'm not mad because I love Ovechkin. Like we talked about earlier, the Crosby Ovechkin thing. I'm an Ovechkin fan. So I love for yeah. him to keep doing it. And if he, I mean, Gretzky's always going to have the assist record and the overall points record. So if he loses one of the three, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. It's not even close as far, in my opinion, as far as like who's the goat. He's probably going to lose the goals record. Yeah, but Alex but... Ovechkin may have the second and will end up with the most goals. He's currently 16th. In points, he's he needs to basically double his points in order oh. to catch Wayne Gretzky. He's at fourteen eighty five. And I he's know how old right now? Double, he's already done basically. I mean, I don't mean that in a rude way. He's no, but <laughs> thirty seven, about to turn thirty eight. He's oh thirty seven and three hundred and twenty eight days. His birthday September seventeenth, so he's about to turn thirty eight. Yeah, it's my sister's birthday. Hey, nice. It's my stepdad's birthday. Shout out to you, Dad. Hey, nine seventeen. Woo woo. Whoop, whoop. Uh, so yeah, so uh, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna end up with that. I, I'll give him that. But uh, I mean, even currently, right? Sidney Crosby has more points than than Ovechkin does, and the goal differential is insane. Alex Ovechkin has eight hundred and twenty-two, and Sidney Crosby has only five hundred and fifty. So that's why Sidney Crosby. Well, you know what? Let me not. Let me not. I'm gonna start. <laughs> I'm gonna save that for our for our new segment. I'm not even gonna give you my ammo. Never mind. Never mind. Either way. Crosby. Oh man. Shout out funny. to the kid. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude. Uh I think that's uh another good episode, eh? Yeah, for sure. I mean got into some hockey, who would have thought? That's why I ended it with A. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> yeah, no, you sounded super Canadian and, and hockey. Yeah, I was kinda of trying to get into it, you know what I mean? <laughs> so but uh, any you got any plans for the weekend? Well, besides work, I know you freaking work uh, you said PBR this weekend. Yeah, the professional Is that riders. Blue Ribbon? <laughs> no, oh, I wish shoot, that'd be man. way better of an event. No, it's uh, the bull riding <laughs> thing. It's like teams. I don't know. They came in last year and did it, and it it's whatever. It's like a slower event compared to my NF concert last weekend. So I guess I'll take it. You know, take the ebbs and flows. Yeah. Well. All right. Nice. Sweet. I'm not doing anything. Actually, I'm getting my car service tomorrow. Oh, that and, sounds. Like uh, fun. Actually, I'm actually going to a car show actually in the afternoon as well. So should be cool. Sunday probably just kick it like normal. Go not, to church. Are you going on like a Subi? ride with everybody like you do usually or just going to check this shit out no just going to check it out it's actually at the anaheim convention center it's, oh, it's nice. indoors so it's like a fancy show my car's not fancy enough so what was just the one the... what was the one we went to that one time or back in the day at the la convention center you took us you took me to hot import nights, hot import bro. nights. oh my god let's go <laughs> Yes, man. That was high school, dude. That was when Fast and the Furious was at its peak. Dude. Yeah, okay. no, I remember because me we, we used to take some of those posters and hang them up in the door. Remember on the ceiling? Stuff? Yeah, we had dude. all those cars and shit everywhere. Dude, heck yeah, man. That was the best. <laughs> I still live in that dream, man. <laughs> you, you keep uh, lowering your car and doing your thing, man. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. So. 
But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's another episode. That's episode eight, I believe. Yeah, it is number eight for us, and number two, as is the new name, RV that's from right. the bench. RV from the bench. Well, from our view from the bench, I'm Brendan, and I'm Corey. And like we always say, enjoy the sports until we talk again. Peace. This was a Sycamore 4th Studios production.